Hello darlings, welcome to the first episode of Midlife Muddle. I've decided after putting it off for actually years that it's the right moment to finally sit down and record the first episode of what I hope will be a popular podcast aimed at women like me. I've gone with the name Midlife Muddle because that's where I feel I'm at. Like so many people, I'm rapidly launching myself towards 40 and it feels like I really should have got my shit together by this point and that I really should know who I am and what I'm doing. I always imagined that there'd be this moment in my life where I realised I was an adult, where I was doing all the things that you're supposed to do and achieving all the goals and everything was falling into place. And I don't know about anybody else, but despite the fact that this is the year I turn 40, I do not feel like I'm there. And I don't think anybody ever does. I think all of us muddle our way through every single day, hoping that we get things right and that we're doing our best and that we're the best version of ourselves that we can be. But like everybody else, I spend most of my time berating myself for all the ways that I'm not achieving all those things. I'm not at the pinnacle of what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what supposed is anymore. I feel like I'm far from a perfect mum, a long way from a perfect partner, and I'm not great at my work, even on a good day because there are so many things that I feel like I should be doing that I never quite do any of them. Now, some of that is because I am a diagnosed ADHD and autistic woman, and those things come with their own unique challenges. Some of that is because I've spent so many years jumping from one life to the next, trying to be what somebody else had as an aspiration for me. Um, Some of that is just that life gets in the way sometimes and whatever plans we put into place, the universe has their own and derails us when we least expect it or puts the right things in our path right when we need them. So I thought today was the day that I would start this podcast finally and put it out into the world so that people who are feeling the same can feel less alone in that place. Now, as I said, this is the year I turned 40 and I've been putting a lot of thought into what that means and what I want and what I have achieved. And I've achieved an awful lot. I think we all do without realising until you sit and list it out on paper. But I'm not going to do that because I'm not very comfortable with listing achievements. And I think there's still such a long way to go to be the person that you want to be. So instead, I'm going to talk about some of the things I see and hear, some of the people I love and admire, and some of the things I've been reading or watching or doing that bring me happiness or thought or pause. And hopefully some of that will mean something to you and you'll want to send in your own messages and notes so that we can talk about those things too. First of all, I want to talk about what it means being in a midlife muddle or at least what that means to me. Um, Hitting 40 is a big milestone and I have absolutely no discomfort with aging or getting older. I'm genuinely quite fond of that. I think I'm 
happier and more confident as the person that I am now than I was at 20. And I think all of those things that you feel you should be sort of drift away once you're at this point, because you stop caring as much what other people want or need or think or feel about you. Because what matters more is what you want and think and feel and need. It comes with an additional host of magical experiences. Um, perimenopause, that's quite the ride, isn't it, girls? Um, it's a sweaty, clammy, mind-muddling situation that leaves you feeling like you're going crazy. And every single person who's born female goes through it at some point. And some of us, um, it happens naturally. Some of us, it comes medically. Some of us, there are situations that launch us into it, which was my experience. I was thrust deeply into perimenopause some years ago by a medication that I was given for treating endometriosis. That medication was awful. Um, I was given very little time to think about it before I was injected with a drug and that was designed to mimic menopause so that they could decide whether or not a hysterectomy would be the right, right step for me next medically. And they didn't tell me most of the side effects other than I might get some night sweats. Um, they didn't mention that it was chemotherapy that it's the same drug used to chemically castrate sex offenders, that it's quite experimental as a treatment for the conditions I have, or that it would give me psychosis, which I don't need to tell you was a very unpleasant experience. Um, thankfully, the side effects wore off quite quickly once I'd stopped taking the medicine, but I had six months of it, and it has left me with some lifelong impacts. Uh, one of which is more brittle bones, which I think is quite common after menopause, but I'm not even 40 yet and have that to live with. Um, that's led to some issues with my back and things like that. And it's left me very wary of other medical interventions for the, the conditions that I've got, which are endometriosis, adenomyosis, fibroids, PCOS. Um, and I live with those every day where the pain is a constant aside to my life and I have to factor in levels of energy and that levels of energy conversation is one that I think a lot of people with chronic illness are familiar with and a lot of neurodivergent people are familiar with and I'm a bit of both a lot of both so I deal with emotional fatigue and physical fatigue and mental fatigue all the time and it's quite debilitating and immensely frustrating as anybody who lives with it will know but when i look around and look for other people with shared experiences and i read things like spoon theory it doesn't quite fit with the kind of mind that i have so if you aren't aware with spoon theory it's well discussed and and, and bandied around in chronic illness circles and it's the theory that every single activity we do in a day requires a spoon to to manage the energy that it will take sometimes you wake in the morning and you have an entire drawer full of spoons all the right size and all the right shape for every activity an energy using act that you have for that day and sometimes you only have really big spoons 
but all the things you need to do are quite detailed, fine little detailed things. And the spoons aren't quite right for it, but you do your best. And sometimes all you have is little spoons, but you need to do some of the big stuff that week. And you have to sort of dig away at it with your little spoon some at a time and hope for the best. And you can never predict day to day which spoons or how many spoons you're going to wake with. So you have to ration them in some ways to manage your energy levels and get through to the next thing. I do like the explanation of spoon theory because it's a way of creating a description and an allergy that manages your expectations for your own needs. But I always find it frustrating anyway. I'm always frustrated when I don't have the capacity for what I want to get done. And I never have that capacity to the level I want it. So instead of talking about spoons, I have the fuck bucket. Each and every day, I have a limited number of fucks that I can give to all the shit that needs to get done. And there are days when that fuck bucket flows over, when I am able to do everything for everyone and be all the things that I need to be. And there are days when that fuck bucket runs dry. And there are days when I feel like I'm doing quite well, but something sprung on me, on me unexpectedly. And I have to rummage to the bottom of the bucket and in every pocket to find a fuck. And you know, I just can't find a single fuck for unexpected stuff that other people need of me on the days when I'm already at my limit. Being a midlife modeled person and a woman who runs a business, runs a family, has a group of neurodivergent children, has a partner who's equally neurodivergent. Every aspect of everyday life, there are never enough fucks in the bucket. And I have to decide which things matter and where my energy is best placed. And like many mums and partners and women, I generally find that I'm the last on the list. I'm the bottom of the list for where all that energy goes and for what matters. So I have to try each time I'm feeling run down to remind myself that the only way to fill up my fuck bucket is to look after me as well. And that's something all of us need reminding of from time to time. And I have a range of ways in which I do that, the majority of which are lying on my bed, aimlessly scrolling through apps on my phone which doesn't actually work particularly well, but anybody who's ADHD knows the lure of the dopamine box that you can clutch in your hand filled with all the world's knowledge. And instead of seeking all of that knowledge or expanding my mind, I play best fiends or watch TikToks. Each day I have to try and remind myself that I am no less perfect than any other person on this planet. And none of us are, none of us are perfect. None of us are the worst human that ever lived. All of us are shades of gray and multifaceted. But I do try each day to be kind and generous and thoughtful and aware of other people's needs. It's my own needs that I don't remember to add to the list usually. So if that sounds sounds familiar or like something you also do, do let me know. I'm going to launch this podcast probably via my TikTok later today. And you can either message me on there or drop me an email on the email address that I'm going to have to create after I finished recording this to catch all of the 
podcast-related emails. And then I'll have to set reminders to myself to check that inbox because you know what I'm like. I uh, I start stuff and I get going with things and then I, I have a new shiny new activity or area of attention and everything else goes magically out of my mind, which is why I'm also surrounded by piles of crap all the time that if I put them away, cease to exist. But if I leave them out, they cease to exist because they become background. And it drives everybody around me even more bonkers than it does me. But I promise it's not some sort of fundamental personality flaw. It's just living and breathing ADHD. Um, ADHD is something I'm actually medicated for now. And that's been a wild ride in itself that I'll talk about in another episode. But uh, it's not quite the magic fix that I was hoping it was going to be because it turns out that even medicated, you are still fundamentally the same person. It's just that you can have more than one activity in a day and think thoughts in turn rather than all at once, which is magical up until the point that the meds wear off, which tends to happen between 2 and 3 p.m., which is what we are rapidly approaching. And I know I'm going out this evening, and so I am already thinking about having my little nana nap first. Otherwise, there's no way I'm going to sit through an entire film in a cinema tonight without falling asleep. One of the things I want to talk about in this podcast each time is things I've been reading or doing that have uh, stuck with me. So each week now I have a craft group that I started in my village where I live and usually I go on a Wednesday evening and I sit there for a couple of hours doing silly little crafts that mean nothing to anybody but me, surrounded by people who love crafting as much as I do and we talk about all sorts of areas of our life and for that couple of hours we get to just be the person in the room and not a mum or a partner or a person who works in a job that saps them of their energy. We get to just crochet or stitch or draw, whatever it is. Um, And this week I've not been very well, so I've had to miss it, which was a real shame because it feels at the moment like I'm missing more events there than than I'm getting to. And that's frustrating because it's a group I started, so I want to be there for the people that are attending. And it's frustrating because I get an awful lot out of that time and of being away from everything else in my life for just a couple of hours where I drink tea and eat biscuits and do some embroidery or whatever activity it is I've taken that week. But that's that's one of the things I started that means a lot to me. And I think everybody who's feeling a little burned out should look at some sort of community group or activity where they get to be out of the house and with new people and make new friends and talk about stuff that's completely unrelated to the day-to-day grind. So that's one of the things I've been doing. And even though I didn't go this week, I did take time to sit and do some crochet and listen to an audiobook. Speaking of audiobooks, I'm going to talk about two that I've listened to recently that are related to the ADHD and autism that I was diagnosed with a couple of years ago and that are similar shared experiences of other women with neurodivergence. Uh, The first one of those is Strong Female Character by Fern Brady. She is, if you aren't aware of her, a Scottish comedian and she is an absolute joy. I first found 
her on Taskmaster and have since binged all sorts of TV stuff that I found her on and I've YouTubed and looked for any content of hers that I can find because I think she's just endlessly funny and charming and quirky. And that quirky is something that she and I understand is actually neurodiversity in action and that other people see as this manic pixie dream girl. And she talks about that in her book. Her book is autobiographical. She reads it herself if you get it on Audible. And it's all about her learning in adulthood that she is autistic and that she wasn't broken this whole time, that she sees the world differently and fits into it differently. And that because of that, it's shaped her interactions with others and her career and her path and her life. And it's made her feel othered right the way through. And it's a really touching and honest version of a person who's telling this story, warts and all, where she is very open about her own faults and flaws and the challenges she faces. And it ends without a sort of positive, uplifting conclusion. There is no moment of, and everything was perfect and we all lived happily ever after. It ends sort of midway through a moment in her life. And I think that was really powerful as a way to end a book because there is no ending. There is no goal that we have to reach that suddenly everything slots into place and is perfect. It just is life. And and I think that's a really interesting angle for an autobiography and for any, any book um, because it, it leaves you thinking and wondering what's next. And that's everyday life for all of us. We don't reach a final point in our lives, especially when you're still learning who you are and what that looks like and what that means and how to manage all of those challenges day to day in the world. The other book that I listened to also on Audible is called Dirty Laundry and it's by Richard Pink and Roxanne Emery which you'll probably have seen on TikTok um, which is where I spend most of my free time not gonna lie and they are a couple where he is neurotypical and she has ADHD and they talk in their TikToks very openly about the lived experience of of being a partner of somebody with ADHD and of being the ADHD partner and all the ways that impacts your relationships and your life day to day and impact your career and your goals and it gives you both sides in each chapter where Roxanne talks about how her ADHD has made her behave and act and some of the mistakes she's made or challenges she's had or things she's overcome and then Richard talks about the impact it's had on him or the ways he's supported her in managing those situations and how they work together and it's a really insightful story of their true life again it's autobiographical it's eclectic and it jumps around a lot between different experiences and different impacts that ADHD ha can have on a person and on the people around them without it feeling like there's any blame put anywhere for it um, I didn't feel quite as connected with it as I did with Fern's book there were some parts that I felt were a little infantilizing I think where it's it was a little presented a little like Roxanne had these silly little girl traits that needed an adult um, and I don't think that's what their intent was but that's 
I think more of me projecting how I feel about my own difficulties with ADHD, but it's definitely worth buying a copy for yourself, having a read, having a listen and learning some more about the both sides of that experience in real life. Um, there are other books that I wanted to talk about, but I'm, I want to keep this first episode quite brief, I think, partly because I'm still learning how to use all this tech and um, how to edit and produce all of this, and partly because it's nearly 2pm and I'm starting to feel like a pumpkin and I need to go and have myself a nana nap. Um, you also just heard my phone ping. That's um, my other half messaging, wanting to make plans for our outing this evening. So I need to go and do some grown-up stuff and work out what we're going to do, where we're going to eat dinner, um, what we're going to do with the dog before we go out. Um, we are child-free this week, so we need to make sure that the dog's been exercised and fed before we go anywhere. Um, you'll have seen Scooby on my socials. Scooby is a rescue from Cyprus and he's a hunting dog apparently but he's the most cowardly thing in the world. He came with the name Scooby from the rescue and originally we were planning to change his name but he's literally afraid of his own shadow and I think the name suits his personality entirely well. Um, an example of that the other day I gave him a treat and he dropped it on the kitchen floor and the noise of it being dropped to the floor frightened him so much he had to hide under the table for 20 minutes which gives you a, a, a good insight into what it's like living with him um, he is very rarely left alone and he very much doesn't like it so we need to make sure before we go anywhere that we're never gone more than a couple of hours and that we make sure he's been exercised and fed before we go. Otherwise, he makes himself mischief. He very rarely damages or destroys anything these days. He did a little when we first got him, but I think that's fairly normal. But usually what he does now is he'll move one slipper for each adult. He'll throw a pillow on the floor or remove a favourite cuddly toy from each bed. And he doesn't damage them or, or get them dirty in any way. He just chucks them on the floor just to let you know how he feels about being left alone. And then he'll go and dig up the duvet on my stepson's bed and climb inside, which is where he is right now. Um, so I think that's probably where I'm going to leave this episode today. But I'm going to work out how to edit this and how to publish it. I'm going to set up an email that will capture any contact from you after listening to the podcast. And hopefully I'll get some comments or questions or stories of your own that I can read out on the next episode. I'd really like to use this as a chance to offer advice and support to other people who are in a midlife muddle or are dealing with the challenges of neurodiversity or chronic illness or who are parents looking for advice on how to support their neurodiverse children. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think that's where I'm going to leave it. This is a bit of an all over the place podcast and I'm going to leave all of the umming and ahhing in here and all of the moments where you can hear me buffering in my brain as I try and remember what it was I was going to say. Um, apologies for any background noise from notifications and from the postman outside and the builders next door. But as I said, I'm an imperfect person and life continues to happen no matter what we've decided we're going to do. And with that, I will leave you and go back to my own midlife model. See you next time.